Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Frank Isola joins us now. You can watch him on Around the Horn. You can listen to him on Sirius XM. You can read him at The Athletic. Frank, what in the world do you think in real life the Patriots are saying behind closed doors about this Antonio Brown lawsuit? There's no way they knew this was coming. How does it play out? What happens from here? Yeah, I think for them, I, I they must believe that the commissioner is going to put him on that exempt list by Friday. I, I don't think he's going to play this weekend. You know, the Patriots are good enough even without Antonio Brown. I think when a player like that is available, of course, they're going to go after him. They tried to go after him and trade for him in March. So that part of it made sense. I, I, I think that they're probably crossing their fingers thinking, you know what, maybe this will just be a frivolous lawsuit and won't be a big deal and He'll be able to play with us, and he'll disappear in a couple of weeks. Because I think all the Patriots do care about is winning. But I don't think there's any doubt. And Antonio Brown, I mean, what's gone on with him, really his final season with Pittsburgh up until now, the guy's just a royal pain in the neck. He's also one of these guys, Clay, I think he believes that he's a personality when he's really not. I think more people probably think that he's an oddball and more people are laughing at him than anything. But he's just one of these guys that thinks he's a larger-than-life character. I just don't think he's that kind of guy. Let me ask you this. Uh, I didn't think about this till yesterday, but now I'm really kind of uh, contemplating it. Robert Kraft, it appears, is going to beat the charges against him, ironically enough in that phrasing, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, massage parlor arrest, right, uh, and the uh, charges that he got there. That's of a sexual nature. It's obviously not anywhere near as severe of a sexual nature as the allegations that are of rape that are out there about Antonio Brown in this civil lawsuit. 
But doesn't this bring back up potentially if you're Robert Kraft uh, the fact that he got the presumption of innocence and the NFL didn't do anything to him as he fought the allegations against him of a criminal nature while Antonio Brown has got this civil lawsuit out there and if the NFL does something to him, his treatment will be different. Now again, the 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 allegations against Antonio Brown are much more significant than the allegations against Robert Kraft in a more violent nature and certainly uh, a, a felony potentially as opposed to a misdemeanor. But they are in a civil lawsuit as opposed to a criminal uh, indictment. What do you think about there? Is there tension and difficulty in particular with the Patriots because of Robert Kraft's situation that maybe wouldn't exist for other teams in the NFL? See, the smartest thing you ever did was you went to law school before you got into sports. <laughs> you're, you're, you're probably one of the few people that can figure all this stuff out. I, I think that is a fair point. And remember, too, with Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. You know, when he got arrested, they, they cut him right away. Yeah. You know, so they didn't wait till the presumption of innocence. They, they right. must have had pretty good intel at that point that he was involved in this stuff, and they cut bait with him right away. They didn't wait for the legal process to play out. By the way, you know, all those let, let, me, let me cut you off here, because this would have been one of the all-time unbelievable decisions, right? What if OJ had been in his prime as a running back, yeah. right? And he beats the double murder charges. Then he's not going to jail. He's not going to prison. Like, there's What in the world would the NFL have done about OJ? I don't think any team would have signed him. But technically, O.J. Simpson would have been eligible to play for anybody. And I wondered about that with Aaron Hernandez, too. What if somehow Aaron Hernandez had had the most amazing criminal defense attorney ever or just gotten a jury that, for whatever reason, didn't want to believe that Aaron Hernandez was guilty and they had uh, they had somehow gotten him off, right, on those charges? What does the NFL do? do they, like, does the personal yeah. conduct policy apply to murder charges? I mean, this and is remember, one of many reasons why the personal conduct policy is ridiculous. But what would happen if somebody did something that, you know, you look at the evidence and you're like, I think this guy's a murderer, and then he gets off on the charges, and what does the NFL do? You know, I mean, like, I, I don't know the answer to that, but it does go to your point, which is there are different degrees of severity in terms of what you can be accused of. For instance... I don't think anybody out there is really that upset about Patrick Chung playing as a safety despite the fact that he was indicted. I believe it was for cocaine possession or whatever it was. Yeah. And that story just kind of has disappeared and nobody's like, oh my God, why are the Patriots going to be playing him? Uh, and uh, and yet I think a lot of people kind of, even with the civil lawsuit angle, do feel a bit queasy about the idea that Antonio Brown could play on Sunday. Yeah, and I think too, don't you think also everything with Antonio Brown – like just from a standpoint of public relations, people are sick of him from a sporting standpoint leading up to this point because of the way that he handled himself in Oakland, acting like a complete buffoon, being completely unprofessional. Then, of course, having to play the victim. That, that was my favorite part when he, yeah. when he released the video talking about how he'd been freed. I, you know, it's amazing. And I, the, the great, as you know, Clay, some people buy into this stuff that he that he somehow was persecuted. He somehow somehow was the victim in everything that happened in Oakland. So I think people are already sick of Antonio Brown, and this comes along. And then of course, no one is going to like his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who no matter how you feel about the guy, he's only doing his job, and he's going on TV and he's saying whatever he's going to say. He's always going to defend his client. So to me, you know, Aaron Hernandez kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody really had an opinion of him either way. You don't really know too much about him. 
But somebody like Antonio Brown, you know, like most people formed an opinion that they don't like the way that he behaved in his final days with the Pittsburgh Steelers or the way that he behaved in Oakland. Now something on top of this, and I think most people are thinking, yeah, I could see him doing that. He seems like that kind of guy. So to me, I think like public uh, support is you know going the other way against Antonio Brown. But I think the Patriots, their opera, you knew that Bill Belichick was going to do this. They're operating business as usual. We'll let the league decide, and I still think the league might decide something by Friday. All right. It also puts the NFL in a really difficult position because the NFL now, because of the idiotic personal conduct policy, which I've been hammering for a decade or more, now has to conduct their own investigation and try to determine whether they think it's more likely or not that Antonio Brown committed rape. Let's say that they figure out in their investigation by talking to this woman who filed this lawsuit, you know what, we find her believable, we find that uh, that it's more likely than not that Antonio Brown raped her. What is the standard for suspending a player when it comes to rape? Are we really going to say, if you're the NFL, hey, we did the investigation, we think Antonio Brown raped her, he's going to miss six football games. Are people going to be like, well, what are you talking, like you did an investigation, you determined that this guy committed a rape, and you're going to suspend him for six games? Tom Brady got four for deflating footballs. You got guys getting four because they mix up their GNC products and take a, you know, a banned substance. And you got a guy committing potentially a felony, rape, sexual assault, and you're going to suspend him for six games? I, I don't know how the NFL doesn't look absurd no matter what they do. And this is even presuming that they're able to conduct an investigation into rape. It's like, this is not something the NFL should be doing, right? The NFL shouldn't I, have investigators determining whether or not players raped uh, people. Well, and also, too, when they say they're going to investigate, so they're going to interview her. She has a civil lawsuit right now pending. Uh, you know, I don't know what story she's going to tell the NFL, but, it, you know, this is something that happened back in 2018. Yeah. You know, so to investigate that, now it becomes a... You You basically are going to listen to her story and try to determine whether or not she's credible. And by the way, if you don't find her credible, then you're not believing a rape. Like, they can't win here. Why are they they even doing this? No, they they really can't. And the only thing, too, is you... All right, so from Antonio Brown, he's admitting that there was some consensual relationship. I would think the biggest thing is going to be this paper trail because they're trying to claim that she was looking for money from him to open up, I guess it was a gym for... uh, to become a trainer, so maybe if they have if they have actual evidence that could prove that, then it's going to make her story. It's going to poke some holes in her story. But it's a, it's a messy situation, and every year it seems like the NFL is involved in this. And I just think it's at a different level now, just because of what's gone on. First of all, Antonio Brown's a big name player, one of the best wide receivers in the league, clearly. But everything that's happened with him, so it just it's it's. A, you nailed it. It's a no-win situation for the NFL. All right, let me hit you with this also angle. Uh, you've covered professional athletics for a long time. You know that guys with a lot of money are often targets. Women, other men that they grew up with. When you have, when you're on sort of the national stage and you make the money that these guys do, there are a lot of people who want what they have. And sometimes they are targets, even, even if they're not making uh, bad decisions, like clearly Antonio Brown is. Follow me along on this. See if you think there's a logic that applies here. Let's say that the NFL puts Antonio Brown on the commissioner's exempt list. Let's also say that later on it develops that Antonio Brown is 100% innocent of this case, whatever you may think about him, that he is 100% innocent and we feel very comfortable based on evidence that comes out that he did not commit rape. But it doesn't come out until the end of this season and he has to sit out the whole season. 
My concern with the commissioner's exempt list and the personal conduct policy in general is that it could incentivize people to make up allegations against players and we could have a Duke lacrosse-like situation where the NFL is feeling compelled to act. They come out, they suspend a guy or multiple players. Just pretend that, like, let's say Duke lacrosse involved an NFL team as opposed to a Duke lacrosse team. Somebody says they were raped. She's an exotic dancer. Uh, she's th- These guys are charged. They're paraded out in front of, uh, of the media. The DA says, hey, these guys are going to go to jail for years. The NFL feels compelled to act. They suspend all these guys. And then later on, it comes out that the woman is lying. It's 100% made up. Aren't we in some way incentivizing people to lie if our initial response is to believe all of these allegations are true? And in this era of sports gambling and everything else, isn't it possible that somebody just 100% makes up a story to get a top athlete taken out for a big game because they take advantage of the feeding frenzy in the media and social media and everything else, that if allegations are be- are bad enough, even if you're innocent, it's hard to immediately prove you're innocent in cases like these. And it, and, and that's when you start getting into you know the jilted lover, where you know Antonio Brown from his side, he's going to say, well, listen, I had a relationship with this woman. We were just hanging out, having the time. I gave her a couple of things. You know, maybe I bought her some stuff, but then. When I told her, well, I'm going to break it off, and she was looking for money, and that, that's when we decided to break it off. I, I think it's going to take someone who – because remember when Antonio Brown's attorney said, which is also a dangerous road to go down to, where they said they're going to go after this woman yeah. to prove kind of like what you're talking about, that she's just trying to hurt Antonio Brown, his earning power, his career, and his reputation. I think it's going to take someone who – and you, you mentioned the Duke lacrosse case, because a couple – one of the players doesn't live too far – from where I am, they ran into the wrong people. Yeah, because they, they had the resources people. to stand up to them. Exactly. They ran into people that had the money and the motivation to want to clear their name and to go after somebody. And the one thing about Antonio Brown, he's got the money and the resources to do something like that, too. So the, the NFL, which you have to believe that you know Roger Goodell, with his team of people, I'm sure they're talking to a lot of people, including Drew Rosenhaus, including Robert Kraft. I'm sure they're trying to get a hold of Antonio Brown before they decide to do something. But that's a dangerous road to go down just to hurt a player. Because then, you know what, if it turns out that you're the one that's uh, lying in, in this case, you're going to get in big-time trouble. And frequently, and I'll just say this, I mean, having done sexual harassment investigations, having been involved in criminal defense, people like the idea that one person is a liar and the other person is 100% yes. telling the truth. The reality yes. in many of these cases is that the person is telling their side of the story and they believe it, and both sides can 100% believe that they didn't do anything wrong. In other words, and I'm not speaking specifically to this case, but in rape uh, cases, there's very often the case where a woman can believe I was raped and the man can believe I didn't rape her, and neither one of them are lying, right? In their perception of that sexual act, They believe it was consensual on the man's side. The woman can believe it was not consensual. And this is why these are so difficult cases to investigate because oftentimes it's two people in a room with a door shut and there are no witnesses and you've got two different stories. How do you prove one person is telling the truth and the other isn't? It's just a mess. Okay, so let's move beyond that for a moment. Uh, What is the response in your experience in New York to Odell Beckham Jr., 
the watch and the Browns losing. Are people in New York still on Beckham Jr.'s side, or what kind of vibe do you get there in, in this year now that he's away from the Giants? You know, they New York's got it pretty rough because the Jets had a 16-0 lead. Yeah. They lost the game, and then the Giants looked terrible losing to the Cowboys. But I do think that people in New York do pay attention to what's going on with Odell Beckham, and I think they just think it's more of the same. It's the team loss, but Odell Beckham looking to draw attention to himself, talking about the watch. I've said it before. You know, you don't wear a watch and pick up basketball because you know, you, if somebody's wearing a watch, you always tell them, can you take that off? You're going to get hurt. You don't wear a watch when you're moving furniture. You can kind of like, as you're trying to get through a door, it'll get hooked and you'll break it. And you don't wear a watch during football. And it's, it's amazing, too, that he's wearing this watch that's incredibly expensive. It, it makes no sense. But don't you always think it's, it's like it fits Odell Beckham perfectly, where it's always something else other than football. And, of course, they lost this week, and he's still trying to draw attention to himself, which, to his credit, he's very good at. That's why, like, you know, for me, the Cleveland Browns, they won the offseason. They were the most hyped team, maybe in the last 10, 20 years in the NFL. They were on the cover of every magazine. All they do is run their mouths. And now, even when they lose, when they should be somewhat humbled, it's still Odell Beckham talking about wearing this silly watch, which I, don't, I can't believe the league would, would allow him to wear all right, last question for you. Uh, Sam Darnold, we won't talk to you till after the Monday Night Football game happens. Sam Darnold and the New York Jets, who you mentioned gave up a 16-0 lead and collapsed down the stretch against the Bills, are hosting those same Browns. Odell goes back to New York on Monday Night Football. It's going to get a lot of attention. How big of a deal is this for the Jets to get a win in Sam Darnold's second game of his second season? Yeah, I think it's going to be great because both, you know, we know the when you go 0-2 in the NFL, the odds of making the playoffs are greatly reduced. I think for Sam Darnold, he's a, you know, he seems like a great guy. You know, he's got talent, but the results haven't been there yet on the field. And you know, how it, this happens all the time. Everyone loves to blame the field goal kicker. The Jets end up cutting their field goal kicker, and I get it. You got to convert extra points. You got to make field goals, but you are you are up 16 nothing, and then you don't produce anything. And you're losing to the Buffalo Bills. Some of that has to fall on the quarterback. If we're going to give the quarterbacks all the credit all the time when their team wins, and I have nothing against Sam Darnold, but the results have to start being there. And he's getting he's getting a lot of hype. And for a big market like New York, he doesn't seem to take or get criticized that much. He needs to start producing a little bit more. And that's why it'll be a good game because both Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are going to have a lot of pressure on them Monday night, because one of those teams is getting out of MetLife Stadium, that dump that they built over there in East Rutherford with an 0-2, with an 0-2 record. Outstanding stuff, as always. Go follow him on Twitter, at the Frank Isola. Listen to him on SiriusXM. Watch him on Around the Horn and read him at The Athletic. It's Frank Isola. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their yokohama test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Appreciate all of you, including our newest affiliate in Chico, California, uh, for coming on and hanging out with us. Uh, I've been teasing this for a little while, 
uh, as we continue to chase the Antonio Brown uh, latest. We'll give you an update anytime anything happens there. If the NFL makes a move, the NFL still has not issued an official statement on the allegations against Antonio Brown. Reports are they will interview his accuser, uh, the woman who accused him of rape. Also tonight, we have Thursday Night Football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Both teams 0-1. The stats are pretty straightforward. If you fall to 0-2 in the NFL, you have a 90% chance of not making the playoffs. So for one of these teams, they will emerge later tonight feeling like they have a new lease on life. For the other, it will be more of the same in terms of the likelihood of missing playoffs again. I think this is also Jameis Winston's almost last stand. Uh, maybe the Bucks are going to give him four or five or six games to actually start. But with Fibben, the fact that he threw three interceptions, two of which are returned for interceptions for touchdowns, I don't know how much of a leash he's actually got now, even with the brand new Bruce Arians as his head coach. The expectation was he would be great for Jameis because he's a quarterback whisperer. He runs a simplified offense that quarterbacks seem to thrive in. Uh, that did not work, at least for game one for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the other side, what's going on with Cam? Uh, what is going to happen going forward with the Carolina Panthers that looked like Cam Newton was going to ascend to the highest ranks and become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL uh, a few years ago when he was 17-1 and and led his team into the uh, Super Bowl. Instead, as league MVP, he fell apart in that Super Bowl and has not been the same player since. And, uh, and we'll see what happens here. Uh, big game uh, for both teams in terms of avoiding starting off 0-2. But we got NFL Week 1, and yesterday, we usually do this on Wednesday, but because of the Antonio Brown news that we spent so much time on, uh, and we'll continue to cover, the Antonio Brown news knocked off the list here. Top 5, bottom 5. This is uh, the OutKick Top 5, the OutKick Bottom 5, where I tell you the best teams that I believe exist in the NFL and the worst teams that exist in the NFL, judging them entirely based off what we see on the field. I'm not coming in saying, hey, I expect this team to be better than another because they're defending Super Bowl champs or because they went 4-12 and or 2-14 and or whatever the case may be, only judging them by the results on the field. Five best teams in the NFL based on what I saw in week one. Patriots, look, they won 33 or 30-3 to or whatever the heck it was. I think it was 33-3. to It was never close. They absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought of every team that played in week one, no one dominated against their opponent more than the Patriots did against the Steelers. So I've got the Patriots as the best team in the NFL right now. In the second spot, and this would be my Super Bowl right now if I were projecting entirely based on what I saw, the Cowboys. I know, I know, a lot of you hate America's team. A lot of you love America's team. Giants may not be great, that's as good of a game as Dak Prescott can put together. I have got the Cowboys as the second best team in uh, the NFL right now. In the three spot, the reason I've got them three is because I feel like the Dolphins have already started tanking for Tua, and I think we're going to find out that as good as the Ravens played, that was as much about how bad the Dolphins are this year as it was how good the Ravens are. But I've got the Ravens slotted in at number three. In the four spot, last year the expectations were high in Kirk Cousins year one. It didn't happen for the Vikings, but I thought their defense was pretty outstanding. I liked their revitalized running game with Dalvin Cook. The fact that Kirk Cousins only had to throw 10 passes is a good sign. Loved what I saw from the defense. I've got the Minnesota Vikings after their win over uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And then in the five spot, I have got 
the Tennessee Titans. Titans dominated the Cleveland Browns, who received all of the offseason talk, won 43-13, a 30-point win on the road against the team that came into the season as the AFC North favorite. I've got the Titans as my top five in order based on week one performances. Patriots one, Cowboys two, Ravens three, Vikings four, Tennessee Titans five. Danny G, what say you? Mine is very similar to you. I actually have your Titans up uh, a spot higher or a couple spots higher. I have them three, and the reason why is because of who they played against and the expectations for the Browns. So I have Patriots one, Cowboys two, Titans three, Vikings four and Ravens five, just because I want to see the Ravens do it again because of who they played against. All right. Any major disagreements around the horn here? Uh, Dub, Eddie Garcia or Roberto, any major disagreements with the top outkick top five here as uh, we look at what happened in week one? So early in week one, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to have an argument with anything, you know, so far yeah. as what we've seen. So you 100 percent agree that I'm a genius with the top five right now. Dub, you disagree. I would probably have the Chiefs in there somewhere, in my opinion. I know uh, Nick Foles went down with an injury for the Jaguars, but Gardner Minshew stepped in there and played really well, too. So I would have the Chiefs somewhere in my yeah, top Yeah, the five. Chiefs instead of the Titans. The Titans is a homer pick there by you, Clay. Actually, uh, I have won the by Chiefs. 30 on the road. Yeah, I have the Chiefs six. Yeah, but the Browns, uh, they're the Browns still. I mean, the Chiefs would be higher, but I guess just because of how this is week to week and who you're playing against. All right, here's my bottom five. Uh, Bottom five teams starting at 28, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know the Steelers are a historic franchise. I know Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger have won a lot of games together. But if you watched Sunday Night Football and you don't think that the Steelers looked like one of the five worst teams in the NFL – in week one, then I would submit that you are a dyed-in-the-wool Steelers fan who's trying to avoid looking at what actually happened on that field. They were awful on offense. They were awful on defense. They were completely uncompetitive. Uh, In the 29 spot, I know that the Lions look good when they got up 24-6, to but when you give up a 24-6 to lead and tie in in overtime against a quarterback making his first ever start and you can't get your team off the field – Whatever positives came from the 24-6 lead are gone. I've got the Lions in the 29th spot. In the 30th spot, I've got the Browns. The Browns, as much optimism as there may be surrounding their team, they got absolutely worked. Uh, They had 18 penalties for 180 yards. Their starting left tackle got kicked out of the game for kicking an opponent in the helmet. They looked undisciplined. They looked uh, unschooled. They looked completely outclassed. I've got the Browns at the 30th best team. 31, I've got the Giants. I know the Cowboys look good, but the Giants look bad. And then the worst team in the NFL, I think this is relatively easy. I've got the Miami Dolphins right now. Uh, Thoughts, Danny G? That's not too bad. I mean, this is hard because it's only one week, and we know the Steelers are going to bounce back. But if we're truly saying this is week to week, then I have Broncos, Giants, Bucks, Steelers, then Dolphins. Okay. Any strong arguments for a team that should be included that we haven't discussed so far? Go at once. Well, the Steelers being in there is ridiculous. Uh, you lose on the road to the defending Super Bowl champions. I know they look like crap, but come on. that's. Uh, I totally anticipated the homer Steelers fans yeah. stepping uh, in to defend I agree with Danny there. I wouldn't have put, I wouldn't have put the Steelers there. They yeah, but the this face. is just supposed to be off the one week that we saw them. That's I all. I put Arizona Not- and Detroit in there. Put them tied for one of the yeah, spots. I actually thought Arizona, compared to what I expected of them, you know, wasn't awful. 
I mean, uh, so you can make an argument for Arizona, but right now the Steelers are in the bottom five. All right, I want to circle back around. So that's a top five, bottom five. We'll typically do it every single Wednesday uh, on this show all season long. And again, the goal is to react entirely to what we've seen on the field. So don't come in with preconceived notions. I do this, by the way, with my OutKick Top 10 in college football, which we'll generally do on Wednesdays too uh, as we move into week three of the college football season. I only judge teams based on what we've seen on the field as opposed to what we expect to see because so much, especially in the poll era of college football, is predicated on your preconceived notions. I expected this team to be good, and therefore I will justify them being good no matter what the actual evidence shows. So I try to judge teams only based on what we've seen on the field. All right, do you guys think that this is a a big tension that I have pointed out? I haven't heard anybody else talking about this. I want to get you guys' opinion on this. Um, this point out that I, that I kind of have been thinking about with Robert Kraft getting the presumption of innocence and the fact that he wasn't suspended or taken away from his team when he was charged with a crime uh, in the uh, massage parlor incident in South Florida. Does that in any way impact your thoughts about what the Patriots or the NFL will do with Antonio Brown? Now, as a caveat, yes, what Antonio Brown has been accused of is far more significant than what Robert Kraft was charged with, but he was charged with a crime, and so far, all Antonio Brown has been done, has had happened, is he's been sued for money. Does that implicate in any way what this response should or could be for the Patriots in particular because their owner already has this issue outstanding? In fact, I think this is one reason why there's no way the Patriots would have signed Antonio Brown if they had known that this lawsuit was coming uh, because it just brings back up the negative associations of Robert Kraft, which it appears he's going to be able to beat those charges based on uh, the the lawyers that he has been able to attain. And also, based on what I told you from the moment these charges came out, that I thought there was probably a violation of privacy, and there were all sorts of other issues potentially at play here. Uh, Danny G, do you buy into that being a tension that is unique to the Patriots here that doesn't exist elsewhere? Well, what I can't figure out is that Antonio Brown's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, was on TV yesterday saying that he and Antonio were were kind of expecting this to happen. They knew this was coming down the pike. If that's the case, how could Rosenhaus not have shared this with the Patriots? Because he knew they wouldn't sign him. Wow, that's dirty then, especially with what happened with Kraft. And then the other big question, why wasn't Kraft suspended for at least a game or two? Well, I think because the NFL is waiting for his entire process to play out, uh, which is what they should do for everybody. I think he'll face some sort of punitive act from the NFL over this incident. Now, what exactly it will be, I don't know. And if he ends up not being charged with a crime, uh, getting these charges dropped, then I think certainly the punishment will be less significant. And look, I'm not even getting into the morality here. I I think it's crazy. I said this before when we did the show, right? Like when these charges first came out. If you ask me what's weirder, the fact that our tax dollars go to put a guy watching uh, another other people get naked massages, or the fact that a guy wants to pay for a naked massage uh, from a uh, from a masseuse or whatever with maybe a happy ending. I think it's much weirder that we're having like which of these is weirder, what Robert Kraft did, or the fact that. We have people being paid by taxpayers to watch on video 
other men get happy endings to massages and take notes and like video. I, I think this whole thing is weird, right? Like, uh, take out, take a step back. Like, I am a, uh, I, I am a uh, libertarian when it comes to these kind of issues. I don't particularly care. I don't know, and I don't believe that there was actually a victim in the Robert Kraft case. That's my opinion. So, if you want me to distinguish these, I don't believe that if a consenting woman wants to sell sexual favors to a consenting man and they are both adults, I don't personally believe that should be a crime. That's my opinion. You're entitled to disagree with me, right? This, what Antonio Brown is accused of, is one of the most heinous crimes that can exist in our country. But the challenge here is we still don't know if there's a criminal investigation in this case. So I think there is tension here over the way that the Patriots handled Robert Kraft and the way that the NFL did and over what might happen with Antonio Brown. Are you buying into that, Dub? Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any way that the Patriots would have signed Antonio Brown knowing 0%. that these allegations were coming because the natural connection people would make was like, oh, wait, yeah, Robert Kraft. Of all the teams that would have signed him, I think the Patriots would have been the least likely if they had known that sexual impropriety charges and rape charges were going to be made against uh, Antonio Brown within a couple of days of them signing him. I think there's a 0% chance they would have signed him. And I think there are a lot of NFL teams as well that also wouldn't have signed him, which, by the way, calls into question this whole idea that Antonio Brown is some brilliant uh, you know, the mad scientist who's trying to get released by the, uh, the Raiders. If anything, if you knew that the, this lawsuit was potentially coming, if you were Antonio Brown, you'd want to be on your absolute best behavior with the Oakland Raiders so they would have your back when these accusations came down. If anything, this calls into question his behavior even more if you knew. Because look, we can talk about the Antonio Brown soap opera, but his feet in the cryotherapy chamber the helmet drama, even getting it into it with Mike Mayock, the fines, all of those things are relatively inconsequential in the grand scheme of life, right? It's good drama for the league and the NFL and maybe for Antonio Brown even because it gives people an opinion of him, but it doesn't really matter. When you get charged with rape, like that's something that really matters. It's a different level of significance. So I'm not sure how many teams would sign him if they had known this lawsuit was coming. Yeah, I totally agree. And and Robert Kraft calls the shots there. I mean, we've seen it firsthand with the Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady uh, issue. So, I mean, if he knew about these charges upcoming, then I don't think there's any way that he would have signed him. Eddie, do you agree that this is a particularly difficult place for the Patriots to find themselves because of Robert Kraft's situation? That that it, as more people kind of focus on this, it just brings back up his issues uh, and that there's a 0% chance they would have signed him if they had known this was coming? Well, it certainly is a bad look, yes. I, I, I have to agree with that. And I, you kind of took the words out of my mouth as far as Antonio Brown. I mean, he's been certainly uh, annoying, uh, a distraction. He's had a lot of issues, but this is obviously a, a completely different level. And I don't you know. I don't think the Patriots would have signed him had they known about this. What do you guys – I'm curious. What do you guys think is going to happen? Do you think there's any way – I want to poll you guys, all right? So uh, do you think there's any way – I'll start here – do you believe that Antonio Brown will travel to Miami? And before you answer this question, remember, Miami is the location where he has been accused of raping this woman. So if Antonio Brown is on the Patriots plane and he lands in South Florida, there's a possibility, maybe even a decent possibility, that someone in the investigative community in South Florida may be investing, investigating a criminal rape accusation 
and could decide that they want to talk to Antonio Brown. Now, I don't expect Antonio Brown to talk to authorities, but of all the places in the country he could be traveling, he is flying into the city where he is accused of raping a woman to theoretically play in a football game. I don't believe there is any way that he will actually get on that plane and travel to Miami, and I think there's even a smaller chance that he will play in this game on Sunday. Does anybody disagree with that theory? Danny G, do you believe that Antonio Brown either travels to Miami or plays in this game? No, I think that temporary jersey and jersey numbers kind of said it all yesterday when he practiced, that him with the team right now is kind of temporary. They're not going to let him travel to Miami because Bill Belichick, as we know, hates distractions, hates these questions from the media. I just don't think he's going to want that in week two of this new season. What do you think, Dub? Do you think he travels to Miami or do you think he plays on Sunday? Well, I'm under the assumption that the people representing him would advise him not to be going to Miami. I mean, would you be advising him to travel to Miami if you were representing him as his lawyer? No, I, I, yeah, it's a good question. I would t- now the the truth, the reality of the matter is, if he's going to be investigated for criminal rape, then they will find a way to talk to him, no matter where he is. But I would not advise him to travel to Miami right now if I were his attorney given these allegations that were made in the civil complaint, we haven't been able to determine whether there is a criminal investigation into these rape allegations ongoing. Uh, But I don't think that's a good move for him to put himself potentially in the jurisdiction where he was accused of of rape. And uh, I just, I don't think it makes sense. I wouldn't encourage him to do it. Now, the reality is if you commit a, uh, a crime of a felonious nature, then the long arm of the law can find you anywhere in the United States but I wouldn't make it easier on them by flying in the same week that I was accused of rape and giving one of the police officers in this jurisdiction or a you know investigative team the opportunity to show up at my hotel and uh, and try to uh, have a conversation with me about this uh, this situation. Uh, so yeah, I don't think he'll go to either. What about you, Eddie? Do you think he goes to Miami or do you think he plays? I don't think he goes. I don't think he plays. Um, I mean, just also just look at it from a football standpoint. He just joined the team. I know he's a veteran player, but I I, I think all things considered, uh, and plus they're playing Miami. It would be interesting if this was later in the season they were playing an important game, what they decided to do. But all things considered, uh, no, I don't think it's worth it to send him down there. What about you, Roberto? What do you think happens? No, I don't think so. I think uh, he'll be he'll be put on the commissioner's exempt list on Friday. He'll be one of those Friday news dumps. That's, I think, a good a good uh, theory of what might happen. I mean, I, I said yesterday that I thought the commissioner's exempt list was what would happen here. I think the Patriots have effectively punted, and they're putting this ball in the NFL's court. And I think the most likely outcome is, uh, I don't think that's a bad theory at all, that at this point it's Thursday, that the NFL waits till Friday afternoon exactly, and yeah. lets it be known that Antonio Brown's going on the commissioner's exempt list right as we roll into a weekend filled with college football in the NFL, and they hope this story gets dampened to a large extent. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Joined now by John Morosi at J-O-N-M-O-R-O-S-I. He is in Baltimore getting ready for FS1's coverage of the Oriole game against the Dodgers. Dodgers lost there last night, but John, they went ahead and became the first team to clinch their division still a lot of games left to be played what in the world do you do if you're the Dodgers as you get ready now for the playoffs having having won your seventh straight NL West division title 
Well, good morning, Clay. Uh, the Dodgers have a busy September still ahead, and it begins tonight in many ways with Rich Hill on the mound. Uh, this will be Hill's first start in the major leagues in nearly three months. And they have a, a big decision to make as to how the, the second half of their playoff rotation will look. I think everyone believes it's a certainty that Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw pitch games one and two in some order. Uh, but then the decisions get a little more complicated. And Hunjin Ryu, who was arguably the best pitcher in baseball in the first half, uh, has really struggled his last four outings. He actually has been skipped now in his most recent start. He'll pitch this weekend in an effort to try to revive uh, what was a magnificent season for him. So some questions about Ryu. Uh, Hill, we'll see today, he'll probably throw two innings um, where he is at right now in his own uh, journey back from a flexor tendon strain in his uh, throwing arm. Uh, they've also got Tony Gonson who's going to pitch today probably in relief of, of Hill. Uh, Julio Urias, another option too. So they have to really figure out what that second half of the rotation is going to look like. And, and then also, Clay, uh, the, the continuing narrative for the Dodgers uh, how's Kelly Jansen doing, and how, how does the back end of the bullpen look? Uh, this is a team that's very strong. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the consecutive division titles, they've been the preeminent regular season team in the sport for most of this decade. However, uh, they now have some bullpen question marks, and they are not a perfect team. At a time when the Braves seem to be getting better and better, the Nationals have played very good baseball. Uh, they're in the wild card race. The Cardinals have been very strong since the 1st of August. So uh, while maybe the, the narrative is, uh, this is the Dodgers National League Championship or maybe even World Series to win or lose, I would uh, I would contest that because uh, the National League is much more balanced uh, than we would have thought it to, to be about two months ago. So, yeah, how would you assess who is the uh, the favorite in the NL? I think the Braves are something like 18-3 and three in their last 21. I mean, they've been on absolute fire. They're not that far behind. Now the Dodgers, for best record in the NL, they're close to clinching their division title uh, as well. Then, like you just mentioned, the Cardinals have surged to the top of the NL Central. Interesting race going on right now for the uh, the wild card behind them, it appears, with the uh, certainly the Brewers with the Christian Yelich uh, injury having to, uh, to take that into account, and the Cubs. How do you break down the NL? Who do you expect to be in the playoffs, and who do you expect to emerge at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the process? Well, it's, it's interesting, Clay, because actually the Dodgers, as we're talking about how you're playing right now, since the 1st of August, uh, the Dodgers have the fourth best record in the National League behind the Braves, Cardinals, and Nationals. And, and they're just barely ahead of the Mets. Uh, the, the Diamondbacks have been pretty good over that time as well. Uh, I, I do expect that, and I have expected for a while, uh, that, that the Nationals will be the first wild card. But now the second wild card, the Cubs, their struggles, Clay, are, have been real. So I, I think that second spot, in the wild card is is almost anyone's guess uh, in terms of who is able to uh, get the pitching together and and in in a good way for the next couple of weeks to to secure that second wild card berth. Um, I I would lean toward still the Cubs if they figure it out, but I'm, I'm starting to waver a little bit on on just how confident I am that the Cubs find a way to get in there. They're the most talented team, I believe, of those teams to be for the second spot. But they have just not played good baseball. They've lost games out in the West Coast. They're playing the Padres, who they should not be losing to right now. So I'm, I, I will say Nats and Cubs in the wild card, but I'm, I'm a little flimsy on the Cubs part. Uh, but the, the overall National League pick, I, I would still say that the Dodgers have the best single chance of any team to win the, the league. I, I still believe that. But I think it's around 40%. I think there's still a, a majority. Uh, you carve up the other other four teams in the field, and they'll account for the remaining 60%. Uh, there's, there's a lot to like about the Braves. Freddie Freeman's been amazing again. Acuna's played like an MVP at times. Their pitching has really come into form. I think that both the Braves and the Cardinals have a 
have a legitimate chance to beat the Dodgers in, in the NLCS. I really do. I think that the, the gap between the Dodgers and everybody else uh, is much narrower now than it was really at any point in time this season, and certainly since last year's playoffs as well. I mean, they were one loss away from uh, getting knocked out by the Brewers in the NLCS, um, and so that they weren't really a perfect team last year either. And, and then again, that was when Cody Bellinger was not in the lineup every day. Uh, now he is. Now he's probably going to win the MVP. So it's a very dynamic race, Clay. I, I would still give a slight edge to the Dodgers as having the, the, the best individual chance, but I, I think there's a, a, a sort of a cumulative Sixty percent chance out there that one of the other teams will find a way to get to the world to get to the World Series. Do you buy into the Braves as having like the October curse now, or is this team so young and so unaware, basically, of what's happened? In I know the Braves won the title in '95, but since then, it's like every time they make the postseason, they find a way to kind of choke it away in October. Do you buy into this team being so young that any prior history of the Braves in the postseason is is almost not worth even mentioning? I, I would uh, I would agree with that it's that it's wholly irrelevant to the current uh, Braves. You think about Ronald Acuna Jr. Clay, not to date ourselves too much and make ourselves feel a little bit too old, but Ronald Acuna Jr. was born in 1997. <laughs> it's, it's so uh, so he was born after uh, well after the '91 World Series, well after the '95 World Series that the Braves won. Uh, he would have been uh, just he would not even have been two years old uh, when the Braves lost uh, to the Yankees in '99. So there's. Uh, and and 2000, of course, he would have been. You would have been too, but uh, still not not a, a real strong catalog of memories of the Braves from the 90s uh, for him. So I I think that it's a very different group. I will say this though, they, they've got a, they've done a nice job, Clay, of, of of building. I think a strong culture. Even the guys they've added in, Josh Donaldson, of course, uh, he's got strong roots in in the Southeast. So he was a Braves fan growing up, and 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 part of the overall culture of baseball and, and the Braves' way in, in that organization. So you've got a lot of players that either came up through the organization, like Brian McCann came back. Nick Markakis uh, is, is from the Atlanta area. He, went, of course, went away to play for the Orioles for, for the vast majority of his professional career, then came back to the Braves. So there's there's a lot of homegrown, even the guys that aren't homegrown, quote-unquote, are, are, are kind of Braves guys. So it's a, I think it's a, there's a lot of cohesion there right now, the way that they've played, Clay. And I, I like it. I think it, it, it reminds me certainly of, uh, of of kind of our our childhood watching a lot of Braves games in the playoffs and so a lot for a lot of fans of a certain age there's something very uh, very uh, centering and, and and comforting seeing the Braves back in the playoffs and, and playing very good baseball and of course they've got such a great fan base as well they are still a national team I believe in so many ways so um, it's good for the game to see them strong again and I, I think as I said it, it would not surprise me at all if we see them back uh, in the uh, in the World Series for the first time uh, since the year 2000. All right, we're actually, about the 99, It was 99. I'm sorry about that. 99. I'm sure to correct that. Yeah. 2000 was Mets Yankees. 99 was the last time the Braves that were the World Series. All right, let's go to the AL. Uh, the Yankees obviously continue to be on a roll. you got the Houston Astros who are, uh, you know, obviously maybe the most talented team in Major League Baseball right now. And while it seemed that the Cleveland Indians were going to make a run and really give the Twins uh, all they could handle in the NL Central, that the Twins have kind of taken back control. they got a four-game lead right now in that division. What's going to happen in the playoff picture as we come down the stretch, final couple weeks of the regular season in the AL? Well, Clay, to me, similar to the, to the Dodgers and, and trying to organize their pitching staff, we'll see the Yankees uh, do some of the same things. And I think today, a really interesting doubleheader to follow in Detroit. Uh, the Yankees playing there, and they'll start CC Sabathia uh, in one of those two games with uh, Domingo Herman supporting him. Uh, Herman leads the staff uh, for the Yankees with 17 wins, but he's now potentially going to be going to be evaluated to be used out of the bullpen in the playoffs. So 
uh, the, the one that controls innings. He's maybe shown a little bit of a sign of, of fatigue here lately. And so Aaron Boone wants to take a look at how this could be with Sabathia starting and then Herman following. Uh, it, it's an interesting idea. I think there's some validity to it. Uh, generally speaking, Clay, when, when you think about the, the, the following pitcher or the second pitcher, the second bulk pitcher, however you want to call it, as we've seen with the, with the Rays using it, um, optimally you like for the second guy to have a different look and then maybe throw a little bit harder than the first guy as opposed to getting, getting the hitter's timing to the, to the fast stuff and then able to, to tee up on, on the softer stuff. Uh, you maybe have CC who throws lower velocity, and then all of a sudden Herman comes in from the right side throwing har- harder. I like that general idea, and and I'll be really curious to see how it plays out for the Yankees here uh, today. They've got so much talent, Clay, in, in that pitching staff, so much depth uh, that they're due to get Severino back here soon. Matanzas as well, um, and John Carlos Stanton, one of the highest paid players in the game, has barely even played this year and is trying to get back and, and to get ready for the playoffs. So the Yankees are still, in many ways, a work in progress. Even as they are clearly the, the, the American League East champion, they are they're still adding talent back, which is a pretty scary thought indeed for the rest of the American League. And of course, the Houston Astros, uh, I, I think their rotation is, is really intriguing, and I think we'll see the, the, the matchup between the Yankees with a, with a sort of a, a new-age uh, collaborative effort of, of pitching with maybe – grouping the game up into three or four inning segments, that's going to be their strategy, whereas the Astros have the more classic four-man rotation, which they're already doing right now, getting ready for the playoffs, uh, because they have a lot of off days in September. So it's kind of the old school, new school. Uh, it was, of course, uh, a lot of people expect to, to see those two teams playing in the ALCS. should be a great matchup if they do, and, and I think that I would maybe give the slight edge to the Astros, but it's going to be a really, really tight race, certainly for home field advantage as well uh, during the regular season, but certainly we, we may see them uh, in the American League Championship Series. Good stuff, as always. Anything else we need to know as we head in uh, for the final stretch run? Anything I didn't give you an opportunity to hit? Yeah, real quick, I would say Cody Bellinger with, with the Yelich injury and, and uh, Christian Yelich, what an amazing talent and person in the game. Uh, tough to have him out for the rest of the season with that fractured kneecap. Probably giving the uh, MVP award to Cody Bellinger as a result. Uh, but Yelich, it sounds as though uh, the Brewers are hopeful that he will now have no ill effects come 2020, but certainly a big loss for a team that right now is tied for the second wild card. Outstanding stuff as always. John Morosi, enjoy the game today and enjoy uh, the, the rest of the season, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Clay. Really appreciate it. Look oh, by the way, I didn't, even, I didn't even give you a hard time. How about Michigan? Oh, Were you well, watching that game hey, live? As, <laughs> as they say, Clay, a win is a win, and they'll have to be better a week from Saturday against the Badgers in Madison if they want to find a way to improve to three and zero. Did you watch live or were you running around? What was your process? I was, that? Uh, I was watching. Uh, I, I was uh, the first half. I was kind of running around with the kids. Second half, I, I was watching a lot of it, and uh, my, my, my kids were appropriately nervous about how things were going in the second half. Michigan just has to get things organized offensively. That we we thought there was going to be a little bit of a different approach, and there there is. But it just hasn't been effective so far. So they've got to do a lot of introspection here, Clay, before they go to Madison because Wisconsin's off to a good start. And if they don't have a, a strong, coherent offensive approach against the Badgers, uh, they're going to be losing their first Big Ten game this year. There's no doubt. It's going to be a big game in a couple of weeks. Good stuff as always. Appreciate it, my man. Thanks, Clay. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer. 
installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All of you right now can listen to Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Doc. We break down the latest in week one injuries as we roll into week two. Dr. Chow, appreciate it, my man. Uh, I was going to ask you uh, as we get started, thanks for getting up early with us, tonight's game between the Bucks and the Panthers, starting with Cam Newton. You saw him play in week one. Any concerns at all about Cam's health or recovery from the shoulder surgery? You know, nothing popped out at me. I get that there's something being made that he didn't throw the ball more than 20 yards downfield. Uh, and I think he got a little salty with that question. But uh, in terms of uh, mechanics, in terms of what I saw, I didn't really notice anything much with his ankle or his shoulder. Okay, so that's tonight. Is there any major injury in tonight's game that you think could impact uh, or that people should be aware of for Panthers and uh, Bucks tonight? Well, you know, there's no specific big-time injury per se. Uh, however, um, and most players are pretty healthy, but there's a, the Bucks' defense is a little bit banged up. In my injury index, their run and pass defense are a little banged up compared to the uh, Panthers on offense. All right, Greg Olson's also questionable tight end that has been Cam's security blanket for a while. Any uh, updates or understanding on him? You know, Greg Olson uh, uh, should be okay, but you never know with the back issue. And, uh, you know, obviously Christian McCaffrey uh, had some rest. He was used a, a, a lot, but he should be okay. And then uh, Mike Evans should be over his, uh, his flu symptoms, et cetera. All right, so let's go into uh, the key injuries that we saw happen in week one. And I think the one that got the most attention that will probably be the most impactful Nick Foles uh, signs a $22 million contract, gets absolutely decked uh, in the first quarter. He breaks a uh, clavicle, I believe it was. How long is he like, or call, it's a clavicle, yeah. How long is he likely to be out? What will the recovery process be? And when would you anticipate seeing him again? First off, I'm not a referee, but it seems to me that body weight rule, that was the definition. Yeah, of it. right. Uh, I mean, I don't know why that people haven't talked about that more, or, or apparently I thought I heard one referee or former referee said it wasn't body weight. I mean, to me, that's why the rule was designed to prevent clavicle fractures like this and driving a quarterback into the ground and leaving your feet. But in any case, that's why I thought it was a clavicle fracture in game and wrote an article to that effect. And initially I said six to eight weeks and thought maybe he might be able to avoid injured reserve, you know, just because he's a quarterback and if he can come back after six, you know, it's probably worth it to carry him. But I think he was put on injured reserve, which means he will miss eight games. He's had his surgery because in 2014, he had a left clavicle fracture previously. So that might have like complicated things by a little bit where the Jaguars said, look, let's just go with the uh, injured reserve and not rush him back. And interesting so far, I mean, you know, hopefully for the Jaguars it continues, but Nick Foles was the ultimate backup and uh, 
Philadelphia for uh, Carson Wentz, and he's getting folds a little bit here, right, with Gardner Minshew. He's done pretty well in the in his absence so far, short sample size. Yeah, now for people out there who don't really know, injured reserve means what relative to an injury? Injured reserve used to mean you were done for the season and that was it. Then the NFL went to a system where you could designate one player to return when they but you had to do it when they exited on injured reserve. But currently now the rule is that everyone just goes out on injured reserve just the same. And there are two players on every squad that can be later designated to return. In other words, the Jaguars don't have to say Nick Foles is our guy right now. They can see how his recovery goes as well as other people on the roster and decide to bring any two of them back. You have to sit for eight games. You can start practicing, get declared, and start practicing for three weeks before you count against the roster spot. So uh, after five missing five games, Nick Foles could start practicing, and then, uh, but then once you start practicing, you have three weeks to be activated. All right, uh, Tyreek Hill in the same game also had a uh, shoulder-type injury. What do we know about Tyreek Hill? How long do you think he'll be out for the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, it definitely was a, an injury that where he fell on his right shoulder, but it was the other end of the collarbone, not the AC joint, the chromioclavicular joint at the shoulder, but the sternoclavicular joint, SC joint, at the breastbone or in the midline. And that has been confirmed that was a dislocation that he went to the hospital for and indeed did have a procedure, not surgery, but a procedure under anesthesia to reduce the bone. Uh, that's very painful. Thankfully, there were no, there was no damage to the major vessels, and uh, he's going to definitely miss at least the month of September, and will be lucky to return in October. So far, the Chiefs did not put him on injured reserve, which is good news. Yeah, I think this is closer to a six-week timeline, and with a little bit of plus-minus, which takes him, like I said completely out of September, lucky to play in October, and but should be okay sometime in November. We're talking to Dr. David Chow. You can follow him at Pro Football Doc, the best in uh, analyzing and discussing injury-type situations. Uh, Darius Geis, he had, coming off, I believe, the ACL as a rookie. This is a little bit of a confusing injury situation with him. What do you understand to have occurred here? Here's what I understand to have occurred he tore his left knee ACL in the first game of the preseason in his rookie season, had surgery, subsequently had an infection on that knee, had uh, several subsequent surgeries to uh, clean out the knee, and that kind of delayed his recovery. This preseason, even though he got 11 carries and 44 yards in the third preseason game, and Jay Gruden and the Redskins expressed a lot of confidence in him, I never really thought he was 100% really planting hard off that left leg and, and cutting and being himself. And that's kind of why I questioned it at profootballdoc.com and my injury index and some of the reporting. I'm like, I'm not sure he's 100% yet. And uh, now he has a second injury, but to the other knee, to the right knee. And apparently it is some injury to the meniscus. He had hoped for a sprain, but meniscuses don't really get sprained. So the worry is for a meniscus tear. In any case, he's got a left knee that's not 100% coming off the ACL, and now a right knee that's not 100% because of a meniscus issue. 
it's hard enough to play running back in the NFL with one knee not 100%, but with both knees, the proverbial, you don't have a good leg to stand on. I don't see how he can play, period, for a little bit of time, at least not effectively. So I think the ball's going back into Adrian Peterson's hands, who was a healthy scratch in week one, and he'll be the guy on first and second downs. And this may not be the worst thing for uh, Darius Geis. Instead of like struggling through a few more weeks favoring the left uh, knee, maybe the right knee injury gives him a chance to get both knees healthy. Uh, kind of like last year, the uh, four-game suspension to Julian Elliman might have actually helped him really get fully healthy coming off of his ACL from the year before. And obviously, he ended up being the MVP in the Super Bowl. Uh, Hunter Henry came back from an injury and seems like he's now got another significant injury, the Chargers tight end. Yeah, that's really uh, unfortunate. Uh, But let's point this out first. Every week on my podcast, and by the way, thank you, Clay, for agreeing to come on it next week. Yes. Excited to have you. Um, Every week at the end of my podcast, I pick a beast of the week. And the, the leader in the clubhouse right now is Hunter Henry. I saw the play with about, I think it was 38 seconds left in the fourth quarter where he caught an eight-yard pass and got hit and limped off. That was the play that he, quote, broke his lateral tibial plateau, fractured it. He came back and played in overtime, including catching the 17-yard pass. So he's the leader in the clubhouse, my beast, beast of the week here. But let's get this straight. Yes, anatomically, it's in the same location as J.J. Watt's lateral tibial plateau fracture last year. But there really is no comparison. Uh, I'm not belittling uh, Hunter Henry's injury. It is a fracture to the bone. But that's like comparing Hunter Henry's fender bender versus a a totaling of a car, which was J.J. Watts. J.J. Watts was displaced. You saw him go off in the ambulance. He needed immediate surgery. Much bigger deal. This is more of a... Uh, of an acute bone bruise where the there is a fracture line. And, and no, I don't believe the Chargers medical staff aired. This is a fracture that can't, could not be seen on x-ray and only on MRI. They're going to need to keep him safe. Four to six weeks is a reasonable estimate. He should return to be 100%. But unfortunately, the Chargers continue to be snake big. Besides Hunter Henry, heck, last year it was Hunter Henry with the ACL and Joey Bosa with the list rank. This year, it's uh, left tackle Russell Kung with the blood clots and uh, Derwin James uh, with the uh, bent screw and second metatarsal fracture, the fifth metatarsal fracture for the second time, as well as some linebackers. So they continue to be snake bit. Last question for you, Jonathan Abrams. Uh, a lot of people watched him on hard knocks. He got a ton of attention, Raiders uh, safety, I believe, and he appears to have a fairly significant injury. What is it? What's the outcome likely for him? Well, uh, we can promise your listeners this wasn't a setup. He's my runner-up for the Beast of the Week right now. He did it in the uh, late in the in the first half, where he uh, knocked the receiver out of bounds and prevented a catch, and you know really brought the hammer. And apparently, tore his rotator cuff and maybe his labrum as well, and is electing to have surgery. That's the smart move for a young guy like that because rotator cuff tears only get bigger. Lots of examples of label tears waiting till the end of the season with a with a with a, some sort of strap or harness. Rotator cuff tears once they're torn, it's like you know once you get a hole in your uh, pants, the hole only gets bigger over time as you wear it, and it's easier to to fix it early and sew it. 
and that's what he's electing to do, which makes sense because, you know, this is the first game of the season. He's a uh, rookie stud that's got a lot of years. I have had examples of more veteran players who tore their rotator cuff later in the season, uh, finished the season. I believe Alshon Jeffries in the year that they, the Eagles won the Super Bowl was an example of that. Uh, but this is the smart decision for Jonathan Abram for his long career to fix this rotator cuff now. And you think the likelihood is that he'd be out the rest of the season? Yes, I think the likelihood out is he'd be out the rest of the season now. Maybe if uh, the Raiders were, were competitive late season or into the playoffs, there might be a thought to bring him back, but we're a long way from that right now, but we'll see what happens. Outstanding stuff as always. Dr. David Chow, as he mentioned, next week I'll be on the podcast, but he will join us every single Thursday in the final hour of the show. Appreciate you getting up early with us, Doc, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks much. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We've got Tampa Bay going on the road against Carolina tonight. According to FoxBet, and by the way, if you're in Pennsylvania or you're in New Jersey, you can now download the FoxBet app and uh, and gamble on uh, these games illegally from your phone. Uh, Carolina Panthers, seven-point favorite and the over-under 49.5, all right, in this game. Who wins? What's the margin? I'll start with you, Danny G. I definitely think that Winston will have a little bit of a, a bounce-back performance because there's no way he's going to throw horrible picks like that again, I pray. But I like the Panthers in this. They had a big chance to beat the Rams last week, and they would have done that had they not turned the ball over themselves. So I'm looking at the Panthers in this game. Yeah, I, I like the Panthers. I'm not sure yet whether or not I think that seven-point margin is too much. Dub, what do you think? What do you expect to see tonight? I like the Panthers as well. The home team... On Thursday night footballs, the last four years is thirty-two or thirty-three, twenty-one and two against the spread. So I'm going to take the Panthers with the points and roll with that. Uh, all right, what about you, Eddie? Which way are you rolling here? Uh, I also will take Carolina. I don't think Jameis Winston will throw two pick sixes this time. Uh, so I will say that they actually keep it a little bit close. But uh, I'm going to take Carolina. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing to uh, to see what happens. What about you, Roberto? What you got tonight? Panthers in a blowout. Panthers and a blowout. All right, we'll be watching. I'm sure that will be our lead tomorrow. We'll continue to track this Antonio Brown case. You can watch me on Periscope and Facebook every afternoon. I continue to react to the news of the day. I did a big breakdown of that. Encourage you, by the way, to download the podcast if you're only hearing part of the show. Uh, A lot of you are doing that. We appreciate all of you who are downloading the podcast and giving us those five-star reviews. Always uh, fantastic to see that. We'll be back tomorrow. NFL Week 2 officially underway tonight and college football. I'll give you a bunch of gambling picks. All that still to come tomorrow. Hope you guys have a fantastic Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us. By the way, like I said, Nate Bargatz He's going to be my guest on the Wins and Losses podcast. He's got a great comedy special up on Netflix, and uh, I think it should be a really fun conversation that we're going to have. If you haven't listened to any of the Wins and Losses podcast yet, I had a really good one with Colin Cowherd last week. Uh, Feedback on it's been phenomenal. You can check that out as well. Appreciate all of you hanging out. Sounds like the Panthers is the play tonight based on the OutKick crew. You know what that means. A lot of times you should do the opposite of whatever we say. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. 
Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.